Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Jerry Petito Show. Guys, you know I always bring it, right? Well, sweetie, I'm bringing it big today. That's right. I got someone here with me, a legend, an icon, someone that I adore. I am a huge fan Guys, say hello to Vito Picone from the Elegance. Vito, say hi to everyone. Hello, everybody. How we doing, Jack? Everything good? Everything's good. How are you? Oh, man, I can't wait. I've been dying to talk to you and uh, and, and do the show. I've been a big fan of the show for a while now, and uh, you, you do a great job with it. So it's it's a pleasure to be able to do something with, with, a, with a professional at this point. You know, well, thank you for that. You just made my day even saying that to me. But I am a huge fan of yours. I mean, the whole world knows Vito Picone and the Elegance and your song, Little Star. But your story, I mean, you have so much. Um, listen, I, I kind of stalked you, okay? So I found out all this real cool stuff. And I went on your website. And I mean, you're amazing. I mean, all right. So I always say I was born too late, okay? And I'm going to make you laugh because I would be in a poodle skirt blue suede shoes, a black leather jacket, and a ponytail baby, all right? I'm uh, 61 years old, but I love, love oldies and doo-wop, and, you know, I'm a huge fan, especially of yours. And I when I start, You're welcome. And when I started really reading everything about you, I didn't know some things that we're going to talk about today that are ridiculously cool, Okay. Well, you had to remind me about them because I, I don't know what was cool. I just did it. You know? <laughs> Listen, this, all right, I'll tell you what. How about if we start here? Let's give everyone a huge treat and let's play Little Star first of all. And then we're going to talk about this song, okay? Perfect. Let's do that. Where are you, little star?
let's talk about this song. There is so much history behind this song. Let's start there. Well, you know, the, the song itself, the, the, in the Hall of Fame, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Cleveland, there was an exhibit, a little, and Little Star was in there from the opening day. And they put uh, they put a statement that I made, you know, relevant to the fact of how how we came about Little Star, and it it was uh, really strange. I and mean, we were rehearsing uh, in in a, one of the guy's girlfriend's apartment, and uh, and as we were singing and rehearsing, it started. We started to find that new sound. We were looking for something different. What we call a hook in the business, you know. So. We just after a while we we really started getting tired. It was getting reaching closer to midnight, and um, we started goofing around and getting silly with things like the little uh, little Jack Horner and Mary had a little lamb and blah blah blah. And and then we the twinkle twinkle little star. And all of a sudden we all looked at each other and said, "Wait a minute, you know, this this is interesting. Let's go home. We'll get back tomorrow and we'll figure out something." So that's what we did. Went back and the next morning, Artie Venosa, which was my first tenor. He contacted me and he said that uh, why don't we get together and see if we could put some words together before tonight. And that's what we did. We sat down only 20 minutes, literally put down the words to Little Star. I played with the melody. I put the melody together with it. And then when we went to uh, rehearsal, you know, we just put the guys together and had them doing uh, a background. And of course, you know, the old background 50s from the doo-wop era, you found a little catchy little background. The heartbeats thousand miles away and and those you know and and you know all of their records they were we were their biggest fans biggest heartbeat fans you could find so we took the rat tat tats from thousand miles away and we, we incorporated it into the background and then i did all the ad-libbing with the vocals as we were singing and by the end of the night we knew we had something interesting uh, we started doing a lot of the local dances and the reaction was always great we entered a few contests and we literally won the contest and i would say that little star won the contest more than we did. And um, and that was it, you know. And then we just started live auditioning, which is the way it used to be done at that time. Knocking on doors in every one of the buildings, the Brill Building and 1650 <laughs> Broadway, you know. And then eventually we went right directly to the Heartbeats label, Whole Records. And um, and the woman that owned Whole Records flipped over it. She said, you know, let's, let's do this. And before I know it, we had a contract taken at home. We were only 16 years old, 17, like that. Wow. So we had to take we had to take the contracts to, you know, the families. And, you know, they were like, what are you kidding me? You know, you, know, you can't do this. You're 16. You got school. You have this. But eventually they, they, they fine-tuned it a little bit. And uh, we got the contracts done. We signed it. And we, we actually recorded for Hull Records. And uh, on that label were the, uh, the pastels. We've been so long. Uh, the Heartbeats, the Avons, Baby, some of the most beautiful voices were on that. And that melodic voices that they had was similar to what we were doing. So unfortunately or fortunately, you know, it was something that we uh, we, we fell into. But if she realized when we recorded it that it was just going to be too big for her to handle it with her distribution and a small, the, the small funding that she had and so on and so forth. She sublet us to ABC Paramount. They jumped on it immediately and put us on their brand new uh, subsidiary label, APT, APT, and and that's where it came. Uh, within the first week, it sold eighty thousand copies in New York alone. Oh wow! And, and then it just blew wide open. You know, 
nationally and then internationally. We were, we were on the charts in England and Italy, and uh, you know, it, it was amazing, amazing. You know, but yeah. that that was the that was the beginning of of uh, you know of where it came from and how it happened. But okay, so think about what you just said about back then, eighty thousand that quickly, right? Right. There was no internet. There was not, you know, no media. I mean, imagine no. what you guys achieved versus what's happening now. I don't think that's they a, they could sell a record now if they didn't have the media. <laughs> that's, a, that's a very valid point because not only did we not have internet or streaming or anything else, you only had about three or four radio stations that were going to play this music. Right. You know, there were no the television shows. You had you had none. You know, you had American Bandstand that just just came out in '58, I believe. You know, there was a there was a prior prior to Dick Clark, there was a, another another uh, program there, but but it really exploded with American Bandstand. And and uh, Alan Freed had a show, you know, he had a TV show, and uh, but that was it. J- Jocko, you know, Jocko right. was doing his thing, you know. So it's just uh, what we didn't have we didn't have the avenues to uh, right. To, you know, to, 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 you know, to just show the people, you know, what was available, you know, from this point, from our standpoint. I mean, we could have made billions, never mind millions. Right. I mean, if I, we, we did very well because most of the acts were signed to independent labels. And these would, you know, fly by night people that, you know, put together a label, they kept the royalties and shut down the company a week later and nobody got their money. But we were signed, we were signed to ABC Paramount. That was a major label. So we legitimately got our money, and that was a good thing. But if you would have multiplied that for the avenues that we see now, I'm getting now royalties from one area, you know, maybe streaming or something like that, which which already surpassed what I got from from everything else in 1958. It's amazing, amazing. and and yeah. and I mean, but this is such a huge compliment to you guys because of what you accomplished without all of what's going on today. It's just amazing to me. It blows well, my you know, mind. You know, you know one of the one of the pluses that you know one of the things that were in our favor, and we did it. We didn't do it intentionally. Just we just stumbled over it. Not only did we at that point reach the audience that was screaming for new, you know, for, for to to explode with with their music. You know, the, the teenagers. You know, all of a sudden they had a market. You know, and we, and we were we were going to ride that crest with them. But the song "Twinkle Twinkle Little Star," people in their 40s and 50s at that time or 30s late 30s they were buying the record not because they liked rock and roll they were buying the record because their five-year-old kid that's right could listen to the nursery rhyme yes. twinkle twinkle little Star. that's right <laughs> i love that we, we, we caught all kinds of, you know all ends of the spectrum we were, we were, we were very very fortunate that is that. so cool yes that is so cool my granddaughter is six my grandson just turned 21 but his sister is six and right. i was i played it for her and i said me mom's going to be interviewing him and she just smiled and cracked up okay <laughs> so yes yeah, I, I mean you, you, you i mean we didn't do it intentionally like i said it was just it just it just happened to be that way but they were a major part of the you know of the sales you know the sales numbers that we had it's amazing, absolutely amazing. Um, so, all right, so now let's talk about the song, what it also inspired. Okay. Star Trek. Well, you know, the, the one thing that knocks me out every day of the week, I could never believe it. Yes. So there, there was a young, a young kid that came to our rehearsals again, 
you know, and, and he wanted, to, he was aspiring to be a DJ. I'm going to be a disc jockey one day. So, and he was friends with one of the guy's uh, sons. And he used to come to our rehearsal, listen to the music. And we, you know, we, we, we literally, you know, told him to stick to his plans. And if that's what your dream is, you know, write it out. And, and it could happen because we had no more record at 16 or 17 years old. So him being 16 years old at that time, you know, it very was it was very possible that he could he could move into the to his dream. So the wind up was he became a disc jockey. Now he's a disc jockey out of Florida. His name is Al Brady, and uh, he moved from Staten Island and wound up going and, and becoming a DJ. Uh, as a matter of fact, he was the in house DJ for the uh, for Little Darlings that used to be in Kissimmee, uh, Florida. You know, okay. that, that, that beautiful place that was. I'm sorry that thing closed, but. The wind-up was that he said to me one day, he said, you know, he said, my brother and I used to go all to all the conventions for Star Trek. We were big Trekkies, big fans. He says, and I, he says, I don't know if you knew it, but every time um, Dan Roddenberry would, you know, would get up on the podium, and he was the creator of Star, of Star Trek. And he said, uh, he said, you know, he said, I was, uh, I was at uh, writing for TV shows for Afghan Will Travel, and he was writing the uh, music for... Uh, for um, uh, not only not only uh, not music, but he was he was writing the, for the uh, episodes, and he did uh, Have Gone Will Travel and Wagon Train and, and those series. And he said one day he said in, in the sixties he was listening to radio and the guy on the radio played Little Star. He says and I heard the lead voice say, "Where are you, Little Star?" He says and it knocked me out. I, and at that particular point, I realized I wanted to do a TV series about searching for a star. And I created Star Trek from listening to Little Star by the Elegance. That's the coolest story ever. No, no, it, it still it still knocks me out. I mean, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm amazed by the people mm -hmm. it's touched over the years, but that that has to be at the top of the list. I mean, think about if that if you didn't do the song. There would probably be no Star Trek. Uh, it's probably. I'm, I would say that you're yes. 100 right. Yes. Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh, that is. I love that story. That is amazing. Yeah. I mean, and you know, and you've toured with so many people. You know what? Let's give everybody another treat. Let's play one more song right now, uh -huh. and then we're going to talk about like everyone you've toured with and your career. So let's play. Good night. Let's do that okay. right now. Here good. we go, good. guys. good night.
Vito, good night. Let's talk about that song first, and then we're going to go into a little bit more about your career. Okay. Good night. Uh, good night was written by Artie. Artie Venosa was my co-writer. I told you it was my first tenor. Yes. Uh, we wrote we wrote Little Star together. Yes. And then um, he wrote the next recordings that we did it would be this one and the flip side, uh, which uh, Please Believe Me. Yep. I wrote Please Believe Me. He wrote Good Night. And anybody that has the record, if there's somebody out there that they have the record and want to go take a look at it, you'll see that they they screwed up the names. They they made me Vito Venosa, oh. and they made and they made him Artie Pacone. So <laughs> Arthur Pacone. So that's that's what it is. But Artie Artie takes the credit for Good Night. And what happened is that song, even though it was the flip side, became a DJ's uh, you know uh, favorite. That song is played on hundreds of, or has been played on hundreds of DJs all over the world. They closed their show with this song. And mm. uh, I didn't, I, I didn't realize that until uh, we went to Rhode Island once we did a show in Rhode Island and uh, everybody was asking for good night. I said, well, how the heck would they know the flip side of, of our second record, you know, which was really weird, you know, but, and this was like 40, 50 years later and they were asking for the flip side. And the wind up, I find out that uh, there was two two you know, DJs in the area that would close with the same song. That was close with "Good Night" all the time. That's so, so cool. They they knew the song better than I did. I still I still have trouble remembering the words when I do that song. You know, it's just really strange. But but that's where it's got all its gravity from. It just kept it just kept moving from there, and uh, we get we get a lot of requests for "Good Night." That is a cool story too. I mean, that uh, you yeah. didn't know that. That's great. Yeah. See. Yeah. Yeah. You are so loved. <laughs> oh, I'm on God. cloud nine. I, listen, I just have to say it. I am on cloud nine. Somebody please pinch me. Here I am uh, interviewing Vito Pacone. I'm sorry, but that's how I feel. Thank you. Uh, thank you. I'm on cloud nine. Um, so listen, you've toured with so many greats. Buddy Holly, Dion and the Belmonts, Chuck Berry, Jerry Lee Lewis. I mean, how was all that? Let's talk about it. Uh, well, you know, this is exactly what we had said a little earlier or how I described it. These were peers of ours at the time. Most of them were just about the same age or give or take three or four years older. And uh, we didn't look at them other than just being friends. It wasn't that we were traveling around with icons. Don't forget, these people were in their early stages too. That's right. They were not, they were not legends yet. They oh, were yeah. icons at this point. You know? That's right. So. We were, we were even with the Belmonts. We were very very close with with the Belmont. Dion and I are still you know still contacting. Matter of fact, I'm going to go see him in a, in a couple of weeks. Wait but, a minute, I'm interrupting you, Dion. Uh, interview maybe interview. Ding ding uh, ding. All right, continue. Uh, I'll, I'll put that on the back of my head. And continue. I'll, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you could kick me later and rewind me. Okay, the, baby. Uh, you know, he, and I'm sure he would love to do it because he's got the, the his play is going to be coming out to Broadway. Yay! And 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 they're doing the uh, they're going to have the uh, the premiere is going to be first of all the, just the early showings are going to be in in uh, in Jersey at uh, oh my god I shouldn't have never started something I can't finish I I, I can't think of the name the That's playhouse okay. some kind of playhouse okay. uh, a playhouse something named playhouse in okay. Florida in Jersey okay but you know but anyway and they, they take out the bugs and kinks and then bring it to Broadway. But um, it's called the Wanderer, by the way. So the, the windup was that uh, the windup was that we we would travel together. Dion sat, you know, used to sit on a bus next to me, and we, you know, we we talked more. So we did the first tour we did together with thirty days in thirty different states, you know. So we were traveling together, and and uh, and you know, laughing and doing what we have to do as teenagers. But 
have Italian kids from Staten Island, New York, and the Elegance. He had four Italian guys from the Bronx. You know, and, you know, and all of a sudden there were nine nine of us. You know, all talking about uh, you know Maragotta and what's and everything else. And, you know, so you know, it, it, it was a very very close relationship. Uh, Buddy Holly, you know, was a little different. He was a little older. He was in his early twenties. You know, so he an he old man. Yeah, I mean, to us, he was not distant, but, you know, but, but it, you know, the, the, even though we had music in common, you know, pretty much that's where it ended. But we did stay friendly, and uh, uh, two years ago, I think it was, they called us up for uh, for Clear Lake, Iowa, to do the uh, the the, uh, the re- not a reunion, but it was more like a uh, memorial um, for the, uh, you know, for the passing of, uh, of, of the guys when they had the plane crash. That's where the plane went down. Okay. So... Being we were on tour, he, he left our tour and was on the next tour, and that's when the plane crashed. Um, you know, so we, we were we were honored to be asked to to, to play at that memorial, and uh, then we actually got driven to the site, which was an unbelievable feeling standing there and, and just looking at that memorial was unbelievable. But Buddy and I, we became friends. We talked a lot about you know the vocalizing and and the writing of material and things like that. Um, Dion and I, as I said, still stayed close. Um, the other guys, of course, uh, we had the coasters were on there, Chuck Berry. But Bobby Darren's family had a summer bungalow only a block and a half from me in South Beach in Staten Island, New York. Wow. And literally grew up with Bobby. And, uh, you know, and, and you, even Johnny Maestro's family had a summer bungalow about a mile away. My family lived there all year round. So we got a chance for to hang out in the summer. And... The three of us had aspirations of singing, never in a billion years knowing that in 1958, a few short years later, that, you know, Johnny Maestro would have 16 candles on the charts. Um, You know, uh, Bobby Darren would have Splish Splash on the charts, and we would have the number one record on the charts, with Little Star, you know, in 1958. So it was was surreal. I mean, it's just, you thought you can't write that script. It was unbelievable. But right. but we did we did tour we did we had a lot of Frankie Avalon was with us yes. uh, we got stories with Frankie Avalon funny things that you know a lot of a lot of things that we would be doing um, uh, it's just it they were friends and and the irony of it too don't forget you know it, it was there was a black market for years it was it was an industry that most of the artists were, were you know were African American. You know, so the, all of a sudden we exploded everything. They give Dion and and and, and myself, you know, the elegance and the, and the Belmonts, credit for kicking the door open for the Italian American uh, oh. explosion. Whoa! You know? I didn't know that. Oh yeah, you had. I mean, right after us, you had the Passions, the Classics, the Mystics, etc., etc., etc. The Four Seasons. Uh, it, it just it's endless, you know. It's you know? amazing. But, uh, but, yeah. And uh, and speaking of the mystics with Hushabai, yep. When the Laurie Records, when they heard a little star and knew we were signed to ABC Paramount, we couldn't, they wouldn't release us. They went out and sent some of their people to Colony Records on Broadway, bought Little Star, they bought it, for, paid for the record, brought it back to the, for the place. They gave it to Pumas and Schumer, and they uh, they actually wrote, they, they stripped Little Star down and wrote. Hushabai from from Little Star, and uh, and they gave it to a, a group they had signed to them, the Mystics, and they released it. If I'd had if I would have had Hushabai as my second record, we we would have been it would have been a whole different world for us because we would have had momentum, and we probably would have would have had a much longer 
you know, existence in the, right. in the in the business that way. Even though we're still working 65 years later, I'm busier right. now than well, I was in 1958. Well, let me tell you, Al Contreras is a good friend of mine. I got to interview all of the mystics. He made it happen for me. He came to meet right. me in live in my one of my live studios years ago, and before one of the members passed away. They weren't even sure if he was going to be able to do the interview, and he got on with us, and he made it through the whole interview. So I got to do the last interview for all of them together. It, it wow. was it was touching. It was amazing. Yes, beautiful. Al's a very very close friend of mine. I They're love Al. Close. Yes. Matter of fact, he he presented me with the award at the oh. East Coast uh, at the East Coast uh, Hall of Fame uh, awards night. And that's exactly what he said. He said if it wasn't for Vito, there'd be no mystics. You See know? that? Oh, so uh, beautiful. We love you, Al. Yes. Uh, me too. I love him. Good, oh, good friend. So beautiful. I yeah. love those kind of stories. Did you read his book? Oh, of course. Right. Amazing. Right. Amazing. Yeah. Well, wait. I want to yeah. share something else about his book and him. Sure. So yeah. I interviewed him on all my networks. And when the very first interview I did with him years ago when he, when the book came out, or that might've been the second one, whenever the book came out, whatever. I did not know all that stuff back then about the mob being involved in all that. Like that blew me away. And I didn't know how little money they made, how they were being really robbed. If you want to say the right word. I mean, I was, well, first of all, again, I'm a little bit younger all I knew was, oh my gosh, I love this music. They're amazing. They got to be rich and famous and blah, blah, blah. When he told me all this stuff and I read the book, I got to say, I was blindsided. Oh, God. Yeah, it, 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 that's the way it was. I mean, the, the, the industry was, was run by the mob. There was no way you could get in and out of any of the things, you know, unless you, unless you had somebody, you know, step up and, 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 and stand up for you. But But the thing was that, the, there were stories about, I mean, they're literally, not only stories, but some of them are true stories about, uh, there were, in my building, I had, I had a, a, a talent agency, for, a booking agency for 25 years. I still do it, but I, I, I closed the office in Manhattan. I was on Broadway, 1650 Broadway for 25 years. Oh. And that building had everybody was in there during the 50s and 60s. And there was a story about uh, they, the, one, of, one of the groups went in there wanting their money. You know, they said they had not got their money and they wanted it. And they literally hung him out the window by the feet, by his feet, you know. And you want your money? We'll drop you here. You can go pick it up on a sidewalk, you know. And and you know those stories were true. Yes. And so, you know, but it it uh, fortunately we were okay. And we, you know, we we weren't we weren't uh, we weren't born in Kansas, you know. Thank God, you know. So okay. my neighborhood my neighborhood had enough uh, enough cuisines, you know. Uh, both related and non-related, yes. you know, that, you know, that we, we, you know, we could have had, you know, we had a lot of, a lot of leeway, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of inter interference with the, with people that tried to pull some stuff with us like that, you know, so. Amazing. But, yeah. So, yeah. so now, before we play another song, I want to ask you a question, and I love asking my legendary entertainers this question. Sure. So, who have you gotten to meet over the years through your career that you really wanted to and who haven't you got to meet that you would have liked to have met? Okay. Well, I got the opportunity to meet Ray Charles because we were signed to ABC Paramount at oh. the same time. Oh. And that, that was a thrill of a lifetime. I, I, I do Georgia on my mind. I do it in the act and I, and I pay tribute to, 
you know, oh. so, you know, but, um, the one that I really wanted to meet uh, was Sam Cooke. Oh. And I, I never got the opportunity to meet him. He was my ultimate idol, you know, and it just, uh, it just never happened. Unfortunately, he, he became popular after, you know, not that he, it, you send me was out before us, but our roads, our roads didn't cross, you know, during okay. the time. And, you know, when he really started to get bigger and better, you know, it was in the sixties and, you know, all his stuff that was really starting to explode. We were already, you know, the little store was already faded down and we were just, we were, we were in the market to, uh, you know, to do more work on the road than we were with recording sales and so on and so forth. But that was it. I, the the other guy that I would say that I, I he was also a mentor of mine. Um, well, you know, it was uh, you know you, you know the songs of course, Daddy's Home and of you know, course, Shep and the Limelights. And Shep was the lead singer of the Heartbeats. Right. You know that that did all all of the Heartbeats a thousand miles away and yes. et cetera. But but when we signed with Hull, we went there specifically because the Heartbeats were there. And that was our first place that we wanted to, to audition for. And we were lucky enough, the first place we went, that's who we signed with. So I got to talk to, I got to talk to Shep and a lot of, a lot of his, uh, his knowledge and a lot of the things that I do literally come from, you know, my relationship with, with Shep from the, from the, uh, Oh, the that's beautiful. That... James Shep, James Shepard, yeah. Did you ever get to meet Willie Winfield? Oh, Willie was a very close friend of mine, okay. very close. And even Raul Cedar, Raul Cedar was, uh, you know, was the, the fellow that did all of their vocal arrangements and, and wrote, you know, wrote the songs right. and so on and so forth. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I, miss, uh, I miss Willie. I, yeah. mi- I got to hug him. And well, I'll tell you Willie's story. So um, Michael Diamore, the new lead singer of the Capris, my Michael. Right. So right. um, he got me to the concert and got me backstage to meet Willie. And okay. I'm sitting there hugging him and I got tears in my eyes. And he's like, sweetie, why do you have tears in your eyes? I said, because I'm hugging you. But, I, but I'm hugging you. I said, but I'm hugging you. And I'll never forget that. And um, yeah. I got to meet his entire family at the Goodfellas Club. Alex and Jackie put it on. Yeah, his daughter, uh, yeah, his daughter would take them everywhere. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're a beautiful family. And I'm going to be interviewing his son. Vincent, oh, I think tomorrow, this week, because of his dad, and it's just been beautiful. But I'm so happy Willie was your friend. Willie was so beautiful. Well, he used to call me. He used to call me Goodfellow oh. because of the movie Goodfellas. He used to tell me all the time. He says, "Well, he says my Goodfellow, my Goodfellow." <laughs> oh, how beautiful! Yeah. I loved, I loved Willie. I loved oh, them. beautiful. Yeah. So many of them now we're losing them, and, and unfortunately, one after another is really. It's really devastating. That's really sad. You're yeah. right. There, there, there's, we lost one. We lost one guy that pretty much a lot of people didn't know. They didn't know him that well. But Jerry Granahan uh, just passed. He passed there on the same time that you know that a few of them died. And in one week they all died in one week. And he was one of them. But Jerry Granahan sang with a group called Dickie Doo and the Don'ts. Okay. They did a they did a song called uh, Click Clack. Was oh yeah. Click. Oh sure. All right. All right. Now Dickie also had a single record as himself, as Jerry Granahan, called No Chemise Peace, Please, which was about women wearing chemise dresses in the 60s. And, you know, they, they were like momos. They called them chemise dresses. <laughs> yes. You know, and you couldn't see the shape of a woman. So, you know, funny. chemise, please. But he had a pretty big record with that. You Google it, you'll see. I have to Google but, that. I don't remember but, that one. Yeah, but Jerry Jerry was instrumental as a producer and was his, his credits are unbelievable, you know, behind the scenes. 
He also was credited for giving Jay and the Americans the idea and producing Karamea, you know, for yes. Jay and the Americans. So he he was a, he was again, you know, we we toured together. Dwayne Eddy was on that tour with us. I still contact Dwayne and I talk every once in a while. He's living in Nashville, okay. you know, outside of Nashville, Tennessee. Another powerhouse. When he left after after Rebel Rouser and a couple of his records. Nobody knows what this, this guy did. The Magnificent Seven, the movie, The Magnificent Seven. He did the song "Because They're Young" for the for the movie "Because They're Young." Uh, he did Peter Gunn. He was the guitar player on Peter Gunn. I mean, his influence in the in the guitar world is 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 un, not even matchable. Wow. You know, so all those guys were all in the beginning. They started at the mm-hmm. same time that we did, and it, it, it just was amazing how they all. You know, they all spidered out into different areas of the business, and they, they never really got the credit that they deserved. But a lot of those, a lot of the things that they contributed at that time were the, were the foundation of the music today, the way it is today. Right. I agree with that 1,000%. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, you know, yeah. Um, just so you know, you know, I interview a lot of new up-and-coming young superstars that are magnificent, okay? Okay. And as young as... Well, I, I interviewed someone who was nine years old and I'm talking about a voice you would not believe, but these young people from 10 years old to 25, you know, they say this about your music. They say, if it wasn't for these guys and and everyone, these women back then, we wouldn't be doing what we're doing today. They acknowledge that. Absolutely. You know, They, they have, they have contact to these things. Now, I mean, my grandson, my grandson, like it, when he was six years old, he was on. He had a tablet. And he was on a tablet. Boom, 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 boom. He was watching things and doing things that we. What do we have? I had five, I had five networks on a television, you know, and, and the only thing you could watch was that you could watch wrestling, you know, you know, or, or you know things like that, cowboy movies and wrestling, you know. And now there's thousands of thousands of avenues that they can actually pursue to get information or to no learn but things. they still love you guys is my point regardless of yeah. that they could they could hear your music and say eh, they don't do that yeah. they acknowledge I, that that was amazing and it got them to be where they're at today well i'm sure i'm sure you i'm sure you have contacts and you've had uh, you've got people especially listeners all over the world so. yes but england england italy um uh, germany there are vocal groups out there doo-wop groups and these guys, these guys are on, but they could tell me what I ate for breakfast in 1958. That's right. You know, and I, I'm in contact with them. They've, some of them have covered some of my material and put it on things. They, they become like little, little two-year-olds when, they, when they're talking to you. They See? get all unglued, you know, and it's amazing. One of them called me up. He came from, from, uh, from Spain, and he was going to be in New York with his family, his wife and his two kids. And he said, oh, any place you're going to be working that I'm going to see. And, and I looked at the time frame. And I said, no. I said, well, you know, we're going to be out of town during that time. And we're not going to be singing that this weekend. And so it just, he, he was so disappointed. I, I said, where are you going to be staying? Oh, I'm going to stay in Manhattan. He gave me the name of the hotel. I said, well, you know, oddly enough, I'm going to be in a, in a, in a, in a restaurant on a Sunday afternoon. It's the restaurant's going to be closed to the public. It's a friend of mine's birthday and they, they're going to use it. They're going to have the party at the restaurant. It's going to be closed to the public. But if you can meet me there an hour before I, I'll go there and meet you an hour before I go into the restaurant and we'll sit down and we'll have a cup of coffee and so on and so forth. So that's what I did. And I actually met this kid, I, unbelievable, his kids, his wife, they were so excited. 
And I, you know, I just, we just, we just hit it off. And now I see him on Facebook all the time. He's recording all different stuff and he's always got things going on. That's so cool. <laughs> he's, got a, he's got a group called the Mallor Kings, you know, and uh, it, it's amazing. It's just amazing. And I, I, I was supposed to be in Italy. Matter of fact, this May, it was the COVID canceled at once and then one more time. But we were supposed to do this festival out there. But, you know, it just kept going on and on. But it's, it's sad, but there were so many people out there and one group, you know, that, that, that you know, that, that was looking to, you know, to hook up with us out there. And, in and, Italy, you know, what group? What group? Was, it was Freddie. Freddie yes. Was here with the, so know. I interviewed Freddie. So yeah, let me, yeah. oh, but I got to tell you this. So this was the greatest thing for, for me being Italian. So right. we, we did an interview live on screen. Okay. And, uh-huh. um, through Hamilton radio and, he did Italian doo-wop for me. <laughs> <laughs> we, we know that's the irony is, you know, you, how, can, how can he be doing a song that's called doo-wop? Okay, you know, that's I, right. I, okay. I my grandfather wanted to sing doo-wop, you slapped me in the face. You know, you know, you know, we don't say wop in this house. Says, right. oh, we, we, okay. we dedicated it to my dad in heaven. I said, he is smiling down. He is listening to Italian doo-wop. <laughs> yeah, right, right. It, it, my grandfather went crazy when he was doo-wop. Are you crazy? That was great. Oh, believe me.
Please Believe Me. Come on, let's talk about that beautiful song. Yeah, please Believe Me. I, I actually wrote it on the bus while we were traveling, and Dion was sitting you know, with me, and uh, he loved it. And um, he still to today, he says that that's the song that created his style of singing when he left the Belmonts. Wow. If, if, if you listen to Please Believe Me, you can literally pick out Run Around Sue and The Wanderer from there. And um, Love is a Wanda, that he did Love is a Wanda. You can act, there's actually the whole, the whole riff that I did. He's got it. He ends, he fades out with that whole riff, note for note. But he makes no bones about it. He says, you know, that I would, I, I just had a birthday. I, I, I tell people I'm not going to tell them how old I am, but in 20 years I'll be 100, I tell them. <laughs> you know, so, you know, so I had, I, I had a surprise uh, birthday present and there was a video made of all of the, uh, all of the uh, artists from, not all of them, but a lot of them wishing me a happy birthday. And we had uh, Bobby Rydell wish me happy birthday. To, uh, uh, it, it just had uh, Tony Orlando wish me happy birthday. Jay Siegel wished me happy. It just was endless. And Dion was one of them. That, that And he specifically said it right there. And, and you, he said, you you were my inspiration. And I, I went to a concert. Was, was he, stopped, he stopped singing. And he, he said, you know, he says, I got a friend of mine out here, blah, 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 blah. He says, and... Uh, he says, and you know, he says, I, I, you know, I, he's been my biggest inspiration. He says, and he says, I, I thank God every day for him being in my life. He says, he say hello to Vito Pacone. Uh, and I, I stood up, you know, I got a standing ovation for sitting in the audience. Oh. You, know? you know, so, I mean, it, it, we've got that kind of love for each other. He's just a great, great guy. He's got a, and he's got a, he's got a, he's got a blues hit out now that's doing very well on the charts. All these years later, I wish him the best of luck and God bless him. Very, oh, very, very good guy. It's amazing. Yeah. I got to I got to interview Jay Siegel. That was a pretty cool one as well, you know. Well, I, I just mean, teased him the other day. He, he posted a picture of himself in the 60s on a motorcycle. <laughs> he had long hair and a motorcycle. So I, I, I gave him, I, I put a little note underneath it. I said, yeah, I said, Myron Brandon. That's great. My, Myron Brando, I said. Yeah, that, yeah that's know? great. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, please believe me that you played um, uh, the... the Please believe me. I did. A, I was in a. I was in a couple of movies. I did the cameo roles in uh, in uh, Goodfellas, and then I was in the associate uh, the uh, the Irishman. And uh, while we were cutting the Irishman, uh, Martin Scorsese, in the middle of a scene, comes walking through the restaurant where we were, and he says, uh, "Vito, you got a minute?" And I walked over to the middle of the scene, and I said, "Yeah." And he just starts poking at my chest, and he says, "What's what's the name of your second record?" He took me by totally by surprise. I said, um, please believe me. He said, ah, that's it. I love the intricacies that you did with your voice. He said, you know what? Why don't we talk about that? He said, everybody take 45. Oh. He broke the, broke the whole set down. He says, come with me. Went in the trailer. And um, and Joe Pesci followed him and De Niro followed him. And the four of us sat in the trailer talking about, please believe me, and and the rest of my, you know, rest of my stuff and, you know, do up stuff and so on. So. Wow. Amazing, amazing. Yeah. So, I mean, if if you think about your life, okay, mm-hmm. there's nothing. I mean, I would. I mean, I'm not sure. Your bucket list. Let me ask you about that. Is there anything that y- you regret not being able to do, or have you done it all? Or oh, absolutely, there are certain things. Okay, you know that I regret. One of the things I regret was, uh, you know, in. Uh, in between tours and everything, you know, nobody was around during the day. Kids were all in school or everybody was working. And uh, friends of mine had uh, a construction company. They were building custom homes. 
And they say, well, yeah, instead of hanging around doing nothing, why don't you come put a couple of days in with us? You'll get sunshine, you'll feel healthy, you'll do this, you'll do that. And I went, I wasn't even there a week, and I had an accident. <gasps> I wound up with a piece of steel shot through my eye, and I lost the vision in my left eye. And, uh, you know, so I regret, I regret that I did that, that's mm. for sure. You know, and, and the other thing, too, was that uh, I regret being misled when Little Star came out. We had a 19-year-old manager, a young lady, and she knew nothing about the business. I don't even know how we locked into her, what it was all about. I don't really remember, but she became our manager. And somebody told her that the money is on the road. It's not in the recordings. So they sent us out to tour. We were touring all over the world. We were, Especially when we were in the United States, we, we toured up and down California and Texas. And, this, and never really got back in the studio quick enough to put Please Believe Me out. Mm. and record please believe me and and the, the turnaround was that needless to say it, it, we just we just became a you know a second a secondary thought to people because the mystics came out with hushabye everybody's everybody's stuff was flooding the market at that point and it was very difficult to catch up to we we lost the momentum that was my wow. biggest, that was my biggest regret okay yeah. is there anything that you wanted to do that you haven't been able to do or you you don't feel that way? I don't feel that way. Okay. I, I think I've done I think I've done pretty much everything that okay. I want to do. Um, you know, I've I've been pretty lucky in a lot of ways, uh, and there were a lot of people that we were able to help along the way right. too. Um, you know, we one uh, one of the one of the one of the best feelings I have is when I watch somebody do something, and I knew that we were instrumental somehow in creating you know creating that for them. Well, you have a little story. We have to share it about a little okay. kid in the hospital. Tell everyone oh, well. this beautiful, amazing story. Well, I wish I had three hours. I would give you five more stories like that. Okay. It's just uh, it, this this particular one is coming up this weekend. That's why uh, that's why we got into that discussion earlier. Um, I, I've been doing this Paramus Elks Club. We've been doing their their shows for going to be 38 years in a row we missed one year during the COVID stretch but we've done 37 shows in 38 years we're going to be there this saturday and um this family was at we used to come to all of the shows and uh, she came to me one day and she said uh, i have to tell you this story she said my son i think I believe he was eight years old at the time was was being operated on and he was not uh, expected to you know like there were there were instances where I guess I guess it could have been it could have been fatal whatever okay. the surgery you know and uh, they were in the waiting room and they were so depressed you know they were scared to death that they were going to get bad news you know after while the surgery after it was done and as the surgery was done the surgeon started to walk towards them on the corridor down the corridor and she says my knees were buckling she was panicking you know didn't want to hear the bad news if there was any you know kept her fingers crossed and were praying. And she said at that particular time in the waiting room, Little Star came over the, the, the speaker. She says, and I knew at that moment that Michael was okay. Oh. She said, and sure enough, the surgeon walked in. He says, everything was successful. Everything was blah, blah, blah. So she said, you know, and now Michael's like 30-something years old. Whatever. I think he's 30 years old now. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, so it's just, it's mind-boggling. And they just reminded me that they'd come into the show and they got to see us. On Saturday night. And, you know, Wait, so. they're going to be there on Saturday? They're going to be there Saturday. Okay, yeah, so I'm yeah. working on this because I, I, oh, wow. I've been under the weather, but I'm feeling better. I'm working on this 
please, oh, please introduce me to them. Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. wow. Okay, yeah. I am. Wor- so tell everyone. All right. Tell everyone the the time and date and the address of this show in case somebody out there is local and would like to come okay. to it. Oh, the the show is at eight o'clock. We uh, my band plays two dance sets, so there's you know you can you can dance and you know knock yourselves out a little while, and then we do two forty minute shows. It's a grandfather clause with this. We've been doing this for thirty eight years, and that's how we did it thirty years ago. So okay. we literally do the same thing. You know what we did for the same amount of money that we did. It's just a, it's just a going. Uh, you know, thing. we just love to do it for these people, and we'll be at the Paramus Oaks on Route 17 in Paramus, New Jersey, eight o'clock at night. The show is beautiful. Yeah. So, Vito, yep. is there anything that we've missed to talk about? Is there? You have all the time in the world. Anything you'd like to share? Anything up and coming other than Paramus? I mean how to get in touch with you if you want to do that let's let's whatever it is you want to say the mic well, is yours well i appreciate that right, we're going to be we're going to be at the state theater in uh, in new brunswick we'll be there in april the beginning of april we're going to be at the american uh, music theater in in uh, lancaster pennsylvania also in in, uh, in the beginning of april we're going to be up in schenectady at the proctor theater we'll be there in uh, also in april Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I could go on and on, but you know, those are the ones that are upcoming, the April shows and March shows. So, you know, those are the ones that if you get the opportunity to see us, and you know, if you do get the opportunity and you get, and you can get a note backstage, just just tell me, just say Jerry Petito, okay, and I'll make <laughs> a point to come outside and say hello to you. There you go. Okay? That's great. The, uh, the, the the other things too that uh, you know, I don't know. We we also talked a little earlier about uh, Ron Dante. Um, oh yes, Ron. Yeah, Ron, Ron Dante, again, with this, uh, you know, rehearsal stories and all that. Jimmy, Jimmy Michello, who still sings with me today, he's one of the original members. Um, Jimmy, Jimmy used to be a presser in a dress factory. He was 18 years old when I was 16. And he was working at a job, and one of the guys that worked with him, an older fella, became very close to him. And when he was telling about that he was singing before the record came out, he said, my son wants to learn how to play guitar. He said, he's 12 years old. He said, can you at least give him a few pointers? So we said, all right. So Jimmy took him to one of our rehearsals. And the kid loved what he was hearing. And he said, my God, he said, this is, by the way, the, the, the father's name, you know, that was, uh, it was Granito, Phil Granito. His son was Carmine Granito. <laughs> so the windup was that, he brings the kid to the to the rehearsal, and the kid is like mesmerized. He loves the music. He loved it so much that uh, when the record came out, we took him to the Brooklyn Fox Theater and introduced him to Bo Diddley and Chuck Berry and Fra- Frankie Avalon and you know and all these people. And he's like now he's locked in. So and then we took him to Please Believe Me when we recorded it. We took him to that session. I have a photo on my on my website with him holding this humongous guitar and another with him standing outside of the studio at Bell Studios, or Bell Sound, where we recorded Little Star. And uh, please believe me. And he was, now he's locked in. He's going to be, he's going to be a musician. He wants to be a singer and a musician. Well, eventually he started doing jingles. And when he started doing these jingles, they partnered him up with Barry Manilow, who was doing jingles. And they started doing these jingles together. They did everything from, uh, I'd like to take the world today in perfect harmony, whether the Coca-Cola one. They did, uh, I'm a pepper, he's a pepper, Dr. Pepper. <laughs> they did, uh, they did, uh, uh, nationwide is on your side. A hundred or so commercials, billions of dollars worth of commercials. 
And the wind-up was that uh, he then was asked to produce a record for Barry. Barry did his first song, and he was asked to promote to produce that song. He produced Mandy. Oh, wow. And then he produced all of Barry Manilow's hits and sang on the background vocals on the on the Copa and all of the songs. And then he went on to put Ain't Misbehaving on Broadway and Children of a Lesser God and changed his name somewhere along the line to Ron Dante and then recorded all the voices for Sugar Sugar for the Archie's commercial cartoons. That's the kid that started coming to our rehearsals when he was 12 years old. So Ron Dante. Hold that thought so I don't forget because I okay. get so super excited with, with certain little silly things. Ron Dante. Okay. So when I when I interviewed him and even prior, when I finally got to hook up with him and he called me, this is this is what I said. Hello, sugar. I giggled through that entire interview and I couldn't stop calling him my sugar. Listen, to this day, I mean, who didn't know that song, right? Yeah, of course. Of I course. mean, come on. Now, Ronnie is, a, he makes it a point to say that, you know, the elegance, you know, if it wasn't for the elegance again, he would not be doing what he's doing. See? He, ne- he never forgot it. I love See? him. See? Oh. He's so humble. You know, it's amazing. Um, I was going to have a surprise for you with the interview okay. with the original date. He was going to call in and say hello. Oh boy. And then, I blew it. <laughs> well, no, I blew it cause I had to reschedule you. Um, oh. so, but anyway, um, yes, yeah, so a hello from Ron and, uh, my bad, but all right. So now what else would you like to tell everyone? Well, I mean, to be honest with you, no, no disrespect, but I don't need him to call in to tell me how he, how he feels. He knows <laughs> I love him, and he loves me the same way. That's and, great. And you know, I'm, I'm thrilled to death. He's, he's one of my proudest moments. You know, Aww. so, and I would have loved to talk to him. I, I talk to him every once in a while. We touch base every, you know, couple Beautiful. weeks. We talk. You know? Beautiful. But uh, I don't know what else would I like to talk about. I don't know. There's so many good things and also so many bad things. You know. So, well, how uh, about how about this then? How about if we close the show with you giving some words of inspiration to all your fans listening? Well, the inspiration, obviously, would it, it, you could go across the board with, with what I'm about to say. You don't have to be a singer or an entertainer or, or have dreams of doing that. I mean, I love, I love inspiring newer people and trying to give them you know, a heads up in the industry. I just did, you know, I have a television show. I've done the cable TV show on Staten Island. For 30 years we've been doing it. It's called Let the Good Times Roll. And, I, and I've had every act that there is possible on my show. Do it from, from Tiny Tim to the Brooklyn Bridge. and Everybody's been on the show. And um, we just did the first one after the COVID. We've been out for two years. And I had a young kid by the name of Tommy C. Who's got a, uh, who's, who's now an up and coming young, youngster. Who had an excellent, excellent voice. And uh, I, I gave him this, this, this little speech, so it, it's fresh in my mind. I just did this Monday. I mean, two things. Don't ever give up. Have, the, have all the confidence in the world in yourself. And I'm a phone call away. Those are the three things that I tell anybody. Amazing. So I don't have, I don't have I, I always say this too. I don't have fans. I have friends. So... Anytime, I mean, I, I never say no to anybody. If they have, to, if they're at, if they're in the audience somewhere and they get to the stage door, I don't care if I got to come out in a robe. I don't care if I got to come out in my shorts. 
I'll come out to say hello and thank them for coming out there. So. Well, you're amazing. Um, before I say my thank yous, I would like to read a poem I wrote that's in my book. Because it's called Utilizing Gifts and Talents. And I think it would be appropriate. Because everyone needs to know that they were all born with, with talents. And they need to find that talent and utilize it. Give back. Amen. Well. So here we go. We are born with talents. We are born with drive. With different gifts to help us thrive. I knew early on I was born to draw and paint. To also write poetry and to talk without restraint. Our gifts and talents should all be used. God's gift to us not be abused. We can go far in life for sure, using our gifts to go on tour. Like you, Vito. All our talents should be used to create ourselves and more. Then our jobs to share them, to even up the score. You see, in life what's needed is not just for ourselves. Once our gifts are mastered, take them off the shelves. A living we can make by spreading them around not just for the money, to spread a peaceful sound. Don't take for granted the gifts you're given. Go out and spread the joy. Our gifts are not to be held back for us to self-destroy. Our gifts were made to share. Our talents made to soar. Go through life enlightened, and then you can roar. Be proud of who you are. Be happy you're alive. Once again, my friend, your gifts will help you thrive. Go through life excited for what you sure can give to yourself and others is our reason to live. Our grave will be quite lonely, but our legacy lives on. Make sure people smile with the breaking dawn. And Vito, when people think of you, sweetheart, a smile will always come to their faces. Well, I was listening to some of the words in particular, and sharing is the most important thing. That's right. If you're able to share your experiences and share your connections with somebody else don't let jealousy be the reason that you don't do it that's right do you know and and unfortunately as an italian you find a lot of that yes. there's always jealousy somewhere along the line and you know and greed you know but but we seem to tend to you know, tend to lean a little more towards it don't don't do it it's not worth it because we're not going to be around here for 150 years. Let the next ones carry the torch for another little while, and they'll pass it on to somebody else and somebody else. Your roots and what you do will, will grow that way, and that's the way I feel about it. I, just, I love to share things with people. Oh, my gosh. Amazing. What you just shared was absolutely beautiful and from your heart, and I love wow. you even more. So, wow. Thank you so much. Yeah. I, do, I, really, I really appreciate the, you know, the opportunity to... You know that that you're you're giving everybody to be able to you know spread out into areas that you know people would never be able to to find and 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 to get them to know us not only myself but everybody else that you've had on the show. When you go to say something in a, in a, in your neighborhood restaurant and you say something like that, it goes only to the table and the people at the next table don't even hear it. But when you say it like this, people are hearing this all over the world. All this over is, the this world. is the greatest the greatest gift in the world. I even like to, I like to take one second. And it's it, it, it's not even a political statement. Yes, it's it's a it's a, it's a legitimate statement. Yes, God God bless the people in the Ukraine right now. Yes, God bless them. Oh, of course, you know, Amen. I, mean, I just wish there was something that I could do yes. personally to help them. I would be on a plane tomorrow yes. morning. Thank yeah. God. Uh, listen, thank you for saying that. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I want to thank all my listeners. I want to thank everybody out there. I want to, I want to ask you to please please share this show, guys. 
Um, I've got a lot of things up and coming. Please go to the Jerry Petito Show YouTube channel also. And please um, subscribe to it. My book is I'm Not an Addict, I'm Just an Ass. I'd rather be a smart ass than a dumbass. Because guys, 30 years ago, I was a dumbass. But today, through the grace of God, I'm a smart ass. God saved my life and now it's up to me to pay it forward. You could go through Simon & Schuster Archway Publishing Bookstore if you'd like to buy my book. But I'm also a recovery coach and a nutritional health coach. All my services to you are free. If anyone out there needs to talk to someone, please, please reach out. I want everyone to know you're not alone. Okay, especially through all these trying things that we're going through right now. Having said that, Vito Picone, you have made my day. I thank you so, so much for this interview, for being your friend now. You have honored me tremendously. And what a beautiful, 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 incredible interview this was. So thank you, my friend. Well, let's let you go. Where are you, little dog?